T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 97.1 FM Talk Podcast. This hour of the Mark Reardon Show is sponsored by Gamma Tree Experts. Your trees deserve the best care. Call Gamma Tree Experts. Mark Reardon. The heart of America is not government. The center of America is not Washington, D.C. The center of America is the neighborhoods where 330 million Americans are raising their kids and trying to put food on the table and trying to love their neighbors. Mark Reardon. There's nothing worse than a reckless jackass who thinks he's smarter than everybody else. I am the smartest man alive! The Mark Reardon Show is on now. Well, this weather appears to suck bigly this <laughs> afternoon, unfortunately. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. It is a Wednesday edition of the show. And we're going to get rolling right away here. I got to talk about the State of the Union that I didn't watch because I feel like I'm very qualified to weigh in on on this speech because I didn't watch it because I watched Mizzou last night almost drop a big crappy game too. Wait, but was, they didn't? No, they didn't. Okay. But they, they were favored by like 15 points to um, who the hell were they playing last night? A team that they should have just you know wiped the floor with. This is how bad my mind has gotten. I can't even remember can, can the you, damn a, team. I, I don't know. I don't even know who a it was. uniform color. Gosh, what is wrong with me, Sue? Some days are like this. I, yeah. Well, I think this week has been like this for sure. It was uh, South Carolina. They're like the bottom of the SEC, and we're like losing outright in the first half. To, to South Carolina. The Mizzou's favored by like 15. They end up winning by 10 points. But look, did I watch the speech? No, I did not because I didn't care to watch the speech. Did I watch Sarah Huckabee Sanders? No, I did not. Although I'm going to argue and make the case this afternoon that I like the approach that I'm taking on these. And I really, I'm just being honest, I don't watch these things live ever because they're just a complete waste of time. I don't care if it's Trump, if it's Bush, if it's Obama, a complete and utter waste of time. And last night, by the way, we're going to make the case it was a really complete utter waste of time if you watch it. Now, I do have highlights or lowlights, but let me start with Sarah Huckabee Sanders. You know, one of the things that's sort of interesting, at least for me, when it comes to um, kind of digging into these things, because when I say I don't watch it, I mean, I, I dug in this morning. Okay, I watched enough of it to feel competent about talking about it. But it's interesting from this perspective. I get a lot of different reaction last night from friends on the left and friends on the right. Uh, for example, you know, the friends on the left, oh, Biden's doing a great job. I don't know what happened and what the hell has happened over the years. Was it Chris Wallace, a guy who was on this radio station for, for a yes, long time? Yes, he was. What? in God's name, happened to Chris Wallace. Because, listen to this. 
This is what he said. You know, I don't know if uh, the, the people at the White House, as they were drafting it at Camp David this weekend, envisioned that happening the way it did, but it, it played out perfectly. And, you know, I'm looking back at the end of that whole sequence where he was engaging back and forth with, with the Republicans. He said, so tonight, let's all agree to stand up for seniors. And, of course, one of the things that you notice in these speeches is half the House, the Democratic side for a Democratic president, stands up the other side, sit on their hands. When he said, let's all stand up for seniors, there was no politician who was not going to stand up for seniors. And so they were standing up while he said, let's all agree not to cut Social Security. Let's all agree not to cut Medicare. And when they were all standing up, he said, well, apparently it's not going to be a problem. It was a brilliant moment. Oh, brilliant. That Yes. It, you know, oh, it like, yeah. took something that had been prepared by the speechwriters, and he made it his own, and he made it magic. It was it was really yeah. quite a piece of political showmanship. He made it magic. Chris, what is wrong with Chris Wallace? You know, this is where you're kind of led to believe that, well, we, we know that we were faked out by Dan Rather and some of the others over the years that we allegedly were supposed to trust on network news. But Chris Wallace, talk about just selling your soul. And then the other Wallace, I don't think they're related. Nicole Wallace who's on MSNBC. She was in the Bush administration. She's she's way worse than he is because she just buys into all the talking points. But the speech got underway sort of on a, a bizarre front um, last night as well. Uh, I thought, hang on here. Let's see. I thought I had this and maybe I don't. Sue, this is you want to try it. By the way, if you ever want to hear Mark Cox have a, a rant and rave, ask him about Chris Wallace. <laughs> well, it's entertaining. He, he's the one that got, isn't he the well, one he's that the had one, Wallace yeah, on all the time? He had him on all the time, and then it, he started to eventually just flat out argue with him, and then at the it was just, wow. All right, I had a soundbite that I can't find, but um, I'm just going to have to move on. This is the shorter version of it. So he's, you know, at the beginning, did you watch it, by the way? Of course not. Okay, good. For those of you, and I hope that those of you didn't watch it, we're going to guide you through and get you through the Stephanie. But he starts you know, with the basics, right? You just start a speech like this with the basics. For the love of God, he couldn't get the basics out of his mouth last night. Well, that doesn't Congratulations to Chuck Schumer. Another, uh, you know, another term as Senate Minority Leader. Uh, you know, I think you, uh, only this time you have a slightly bigger majority, Mr. Leader. You're the majority leader. About that much bigger? Uh, what? He, he, did he not know he was the minority leader now? It sounded like he didn't really know. He was very confused in that moment. Hmm. Here's something else that I liked last night. Maybe you didn't even have to really watch the speech. All you had to do was read what Trump was saying last night because it was pretty entertaining. He was like live streaming this on, um, I guess it's on Truth Social. Mitch McConnell looks like hell. So bad for the Republican Party. <laughs> Kevin, Mc Here's 11 minutes uh, in here. Uh, Kevin McCarthy is really looking good. His demeanor is perfect. He's not a crazed lunatic like Nancy Pelosi that illegally rips up the State of the Union speeches, and he's more and more fitting beautifully into the role as Speaker of the House. Wow, you don't hear that very much from, wow. from Trump about anyone. Um, here he is on Elizabeth Warren. Pocahontas is really going wild tonight. She almost has to be constrained. The only thing that will do it is the straitjacket. Um, I agree with him. He's talking about Biden here. I agree with him that the tax system is not fair to me because they illegally release my tax returns. One of the things I like about Trump is that he always makes it about himself, which is something I can certainly relate to a lot and have great appreciation for. Uh, the next one, his climate change statements, they can no longer use global warming because that doesn't work anymore, will bankrupt our country and bring us into the third world status, which we're getting closer and closer to anyway. So... 
he just kind of um, goes on. Sarah H.S. coming up, the youngest governor in the country. Symbolic, I guess, seems a stretch to me. I, I did like what, uh, what she had to say in the, uh, in the sound bites. But here's the other thing about that is I'm getting people on the left last night. I was mentioning how people were chiming in as I'm watching the Mizzou game. And people say, oh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders. These are the people on the left. Oh, she looks terrible. She's bad. Well, when you hear it, I, I like the content of what she was saying, but it was a little, what's the word I'm looking for? Like maybe droll? I don't know. While you reap the consequences of their failures, the Biden administration seems more interested in woke fantasies than the hard reality Americans face every day. Most Americans simply want to live their lives in freedom and peace. But we are under attack in a left-wing culture war we didn't start and never wanted to fight. Every day we are told we must partake in their rituals, salute their flags, and worship their false idols all while big government colludes with big tech to strip away the most American thing there is, your freedom of speech. That's not normal. It's crazy. And it's wrong. Make no mistake. Republicans will not surrender this fight. We will lead with courage and do what's right, not what's politically correct or convenient. Uh, You know, it wasn't full of energy, right? And here's what Trump said about it. I did like the content quite a bit, but Trump said um, Sarah Huckabee Sanders will speak as soon as Slow Joe leaves the room. And then he said at 1034, if I were writing Sarah Huckabee Sanders speech, it would be short and sweet. My fellow Americans, that was a load of BS. Good night. God bless America. That would have played pretty well, actually. I think that would have been something that would have been recommended for um, for, you know, the, the president last night or the former president. Anyway, we'll get back into some of the State of the Union stuff as we move on here. Tommy Pickett, who is the RNC Rapid Response Director, is going to be with us in just a few minutes. There were a couple of local stories I wanted to dig into here this afternoon as well. And I do have some audio and I don't know how. Many people have heard about some of these things, but I thought this was interesting. And I, you know, I, I opened at my great peril any of the stories in the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, especially if they're dealing with race, right? I'm like, okay, yes. here we go. And on that front, boy, I have, maybe we'll get to this at 345. I have a really interesting little nugget from my school district, the Rockwood School District this afternoon in a newsletter that went out. I'm going to try to do that at 345. But this story says St. Louis family tried for more than a year to stop racist harassment. Then a video went wild. Did you see the story? No. Okay, this is interesting. All right, so I, I opened it up. It says the St. Louis family has been trying for more than a year to get a woman to stop making racist threats against them at their South City home. Fatima Suarez said the woman, a stranger, initially broke into her parents' home with a hammer and since then has repeatedly harassed them at their Princeton Heights home. Suarez says she's tried to no avail to get police to stop her. But then... A video of an incident went viral Tuesday on the TikTok app, bringing attention to her family's plight. An admission from the St. Louis Circuit Attorney's Office what? That, a, yeah, go figure, that a warrant for the woman's arrest had sat unresolved for more than a year uh-huh. in a drop-off box containing warrants for nonviolent crimes. So there's a, right. There's a couple of things that I want to point out about this story. One is that, that once again, you have an example. And by the way, you could have written this headline very differently, right? The headline was St. Louis family tried for more than a year to stop racist harassment. Then a video went viral. St. Louis family tried for more than a year and there was actually a warrant out, but our circuit attorney didn't follow up on it. Now that's a little wordy for a headline. I understand that. Um, Suarez is very young. She's 22 years old. She says uh, her parents and her five-year-old sister live at the home on Lisette Avenue, L-I-S-E-T-T. Yeah. 
Uh, I know the the neighborhood there. I don't know that particular street. Mm -hmm. So listen to this crazy woman. Now, they're not identifying her. Maybe they have at this point, but I'm unaware of that because she's not been charged with a crime. People are going to know who she is. I would suggest that people try to watch this because this woman who's the neighbor goes up, Sue, this is what she looks like. She's got a big red coat on and she is knocking on the door. At one point, it looks like she's trying to break into the house. Now, I'm going to allow for the fact that maybe there's another side of the story. Again, I always look for other sides of the story, but whatever that side of the story is does not justify the behavior here. So on the ring doorbell, this is what they captured, and this is what went viral. I guess there was somebody that saw this on TikTok, and this this is how these things kind of take off, that saw the video, and they had a big following on TikTok. They blasted it out. Here's what the woman sounded like. Crazy woman. Listen to this. And if you don't get away with it, because I'm American, it's my property. Okay, then give me your full name. Go. She's asking for her name, and she says, I'm American. Keep in mind, these are Hispanic people. Show me some illegal paperwork, because I know you didn't buy this house. You don't have enough money. Oh get off my property. Is Mike and Leslie your real estate agent? Do it, American citizen, angry at you. I mean, you got to be kidding me. What so in for, the you know, world? We, we highlight, on this show, we highlight a lot of uh, race hoaxes and things that truly shouldn't really be about race, but they're made about race by the mainstream media and the woke folks out there. In this particular case, you have a what I would describe as a despicable human being that wow. lives next door to the Suarez's that got caught on a ring camera, and I hope the thing is blasted out everywhere and people know what she's all about. I think about this every once in a while, and I'm, I don't want to say the victim because I don't consider myself a victim, but I'm the target, if you will, of a lot of vitriol because of being in this particular line of work, and I have over sure. the years. It's funny, Sue, because I've, I've mentioned this. It doesn't happen nearly as much as it used to, uh, and, and ap- absolutely rarely now, and if it does happen, it happens mainly on Twitter. But when I was over on the other side of the building on KMOX, there were people who listened to that radio station, even though I was the guy that followed Limbaugh for you know 12 years, that felt like that was uh, something the politics were, were my politics. Politics, Russia's politics were something that didn't belong on that radio station. So they attacked me at every front. I had threatening phone calls from crazy people all the time. I actually have some pretty good stories good about grief. that. There was one guy in particular. You know, what's funny about it is they weren't always just people on the left. Sometimes it was people on the left. Sometimes it was just really crazy people on the right that didn't like something that, that I had said in particular. But look, it, it happens and when it needed to be elevated, there were a couple of instances where I wanted to put it at least on the radar of the people in this building in case something happened. Good I was never, grief. but you know, I guess I bring that up because if you ever look at the comments, um, just comments on Twitter for a lot of stories, or if you dig in, and I try not to do this at the St. Louis Post Dispatch, and I think they moderate these things a lot better, but some of the comments that people post, and they do it anonymously, right? Or they do with Twitter handles that you can never figure out. People are sick. You're really, there's, Do you ever sit back and say, hey, what would my son or daughter or my mom or dad feel or my spouse or my friend? Does this person here have friends and are all her friends that, you know, ridiculously uh, racist and, you know, just idiotic like that? Because when I see some of the comments that people post, it's like that's the best you have. Now, I'm a big fan of snark and pointed sarcasm and things like that. You can do some things with words that are really, really effective without bringing yourself down to a level that is, uh, you know, 
Right. Disgusting. Straight up disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. Uh, there was one other story that I wanted to try to get to here. Oh, well, wait. Before. Are they going to go after her now that it's on TikTok? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, I don't know. It says here, um, Circuit Attorney Kim Gardner's office said Tuesday they elevated the application for an immediate review. Good. But as of Tuesday evening, did not have any video evidence like the footage circulating online. Okay. How about you use the video evidence that's circulating right. online? And I what, guarantee, what's the problem with that? I guarantee you the owners would have given that to them as soon as they asked. Police applied for warrants January of 2022 after the break-in, but put in the application, I'm sorry, but put the application in a drop-off box for nonviolent crimes, says a spokeswoman with the circuit attorney's office. Sure, police. they were doing what they thought was the right thing to yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. Um, Police have discretion to flag warrants in nonviolent crimes so they can be reviewed within 24 hours, but did not do so. Asked why it took more than a year to review the case. Hawk said the office prioritizes violent crimes and reviews other cases on a rolling basis. I'm sorry. That's pretty funny, really, when you think about it. Uh, anyway, there we go. We're off and running here. You know what makes me uh, want to do this when I heard that quote? <laughs> All right. great? Tommy Pig from the RNC is coming up here on a Wednesday edition of the Mark Reardon Show on St. Louis's home for conservative talk. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers over Overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medella. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame. Two more reps, two more. You deserve this ice cold reward. Modelo, the Markable Fighter. Drink responsibly, beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. And two years ago, COVID had shut down, our businesses were closed, our schools were robbed of so much. And today, COVID no longer controls our lives. And two years ago, democracy faced its greatest threats in the Civil War. And today, though bruised, our democracy remains unbowed and unbroken. Yeah, it was COVID that shut all those things down. Yeah, it was I, COVID that really? forced you to wear a mask. It was COVID that forced you to take an untested vaccine. COVID was capable of so many different things and really still is in this country, if you think about it. I, I, I'm not so sure that COVID wasn't too be blamed for the Chinese spy balloon that flew across the country the other day. I mean, it's it's utterly ridiculous. And he barely even mentions that last night. We'll get into that here in um, in due time as well. I do have in the audio cut of the day segment this afternoon in a couple of hours, I'm going to highlight something related to um, COVID that 
Joe Rogan talks about on his podcast. So we'll get into that a little bit later. Right now, though, let's talk about the State of the Union and uh, the debacle last night and the great response by Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Tommy Pickett is with us. He's the RNC Rapid Response Director. Tommy, how are you this afternoon? Welcome back. Hey, I'm doing fine. Thanks for having me on. Uh, so obviously, with with you know stories like this and with a speech by a president and the opposing party, I wouldn't expect you to come on here and, and offer all kinds of accolades. But even the beginning of the speech where he got confused about whether Chuck Schumer was the majority director or the majority leader, or the minority leader was not a great start, was it, for the president last night? No, it wasn't. A very bizarre start. I mean, he started by asking the Supreme Court justice for a court order because his wife is going to the Super Bowl for some reason. And then then he went on to, to confuse the title of uh, Chuck Schumer. I mean, it just – and that honestly was the highlight of the speech. It actually went downhill from there, actually. Uh, I mean, there was a prepared remarks they released on his website right as he was going on. And you could follow along and see where he deviated from their paired remarks versus what he actually was delivering. Oh, I didn't know and that. You could almost, you could almost uh, predict – where he was going to make a mistake because he was deviating from what they put on paper. So, well, with the, so with the Schumer thing in particular, he just was lost and he couldn't. He just couldn't bring it back. He couldn't get the brain to say, "Oh yeah, that's right. He's not the majority leader anymore." Which he's old, and we've seen this before. But it was on full display in the first five minutes of that speech last night, Tommy. Yeah, I mean, it really was, and I honestly almost think that's less worrying than the fact that you know his staff put on paper blatant lies you know so it's what he obviously was confused it was it's clear that he he was confusing what the title of uh, chuck schumer was he had a very bizarre start to his speech but that wasn't just compounded by as he was going through issue after issue i honestly wondered what country he was talking about because it didn't it wasn't the united states of america i mean he, he was talking about the border being secure I mean, he only talked about it for 60 seconds but how is that the takeaway? Right, yeah, I, I don't. All right. So he, he tried to lay a lot of blame on the previous administration, Republicans. Let's get into that. Under the previous administration, the American deficit went up four years in a row. Because those record deficits, no president added more to the national debt in any four years than my predecessor. Nearly 25 percent of the entire national debt that took over 200 years to accumulate was added by just one administration alone, the last one. They're the facts. Check it out. What? Uh, well, how would you respond to that? Those are the facts, Tommy. Check it out. Well, they're not really the facts at all. I mean, <laughs> this is the president that his first act, his first major legislative act, was forcing through a $1.9 trillion stimulus that economists from across the spectrum said would fuel inflation. And they knew at the time it would, and yet he rams it through. So I, I, I don't think anyone should take lectures from Joe Biden on fiscal responsibility. It, it, it'd be laughable if it wasn't concerning that he still wanted to spend more of our money. If he still wanted to force the working class to bail out wealthy college graduates, if he still wanted to waste more money by sending it to quote-unquote green energy companies. I mean, it, it's just it's laughable, but that, that's the takeaway. And, and this is just more of the same from a president that refuses to take responsibility. Where, where, would, you really highlight, yeah, where would you highlight some of the other areas? I mean, I've seen some criticism today where in, even the Washington Post, I think the fact checkers have been forced to correct some of the things that he said last night. But what would you take issue with most um, prominently? Well, I think the two big things for me were when he went on about Social Security, blatantly lying about Republicans wanting to cut Social Security as part of a debt limit negotiation. When Speaker McCarthy the day before in a primetime speech took those cuts off the table. So Joe Biden and his team knew that was a lie. No, it's false that Republicans are pushing right now to, to, to cut Social Security. And yet he said it anyway. 
So I think that for me was a huge takeaway. And why does he say that anyway? I think to scare people, to try to scare people away from a responsible debt limit increase that actually examines our spending. And then the second thing that I really took issue with was his, his rants about the economy. I mean, hours after a poll comes out showing a record number of Americans say they're financially worse off than they were two years ago, Biden spends the first part of his speech bragging about how great the economy is. For me, that's very insulting. When Americans can't afford to heat their homes, can't afford rent, can't afford gas, Biden's talking about how great it is. I mean, maybe it's great for him and the well-connected, but it's not great for people that are, are paying taxes and are working in this country. In the end, you know, I, I've kind of joked about these speeches because I don't even know how many people watch. I haven't seen the ratings from last night. Have you? Were people dialed in? I haven't. I, I mean, I think people will be better served if they weren't dialed, to be honest. Right. But I guess the question would then become, does, does this, in the, in the end, this is kind of a rah-rah thing that every White House does, depending on who is in power, and does it really make any difference when it comes down to it? Obviously, you want to challenge some of the things that he said in the speech, but when the American public are worried about the, the real things that you just referred to, you know, paying their bills and uh, trying to get their kids to go to school and catch up on some of the things that happened the last couple of years, that certainly was missing. You know, discussion of where we are with education last night. Uh, there, there's no answers in what he said. And obviously, all the criticism of you've seen today, Tommy, of the and I'm not a big fan of yelling liar or doing some of those things. Marjorie Taylor Greene did that. OK, I'd, I'd prefer to take that out. But let's not act like Nancy Pelosi didn't sit on that dice and rip Donald Trump's speech in half. And you had a bunch of other cult members in the Democrat Party dressed in white a couple of years ago during Trump's speech, doing some of the same things that happened last night. Now, two wrongs don't make a right, but let's at least acknowledge that. Right. I think it's also important to acknowledge that Joe Biden flat out lied. I don't know why that's all of a sudden getting a pass in terms of decorum. I don't think it's very uh, polite to tell lies about your political uh, opposition uh, for political points and what's supposed to be uniting speech. So I think you know a lot of people are giving Joe Biden a pass on the fact that he just wasn't telling the truth, which I think should be the focus here. Uh, and so I think for, for me, if we wanted a speech that didn't have the, that type of unruly behavior, then you shouldn't go up and just flat out lie. And I think that would have been the easy solution here. So how would you respond to this? This is Nancy Pelosi. This is on a little bit of a broader political front. Joe Biden is a, a person of vision, knowledge, judgment, strategic thinking to get the job done. He was a remarkable two years, a remarkable two years. And again, connects very empathetically with the American people. So I, I hope he runs. I'm for him if he runs. And I know that the Democrats will fully embrace him. If he runs, it's over. Well, Tommy, it's settled. If Biden gets in this race, it's over. So we don't need to. You'll never have to answer questions about Republican potential Republican nominees or anything of that sort because it'll be over. So that maybe reduce your workload to a certain extent. Right. <laughs> it's just it's, it's like it's like what is she talking about? And this is the same woman, by the way, that during the depths of covid went on TV, late night television, and showed off her luxury ice cream collection. So forgive me if I don't think that Pelosi's in touch with the pulse of the American people. Uh, I mean, 31% of Democrats, that's it, want him to be their nominee. The rest of them don't. So if, thir if only 31% of Democrats are in your corner, I don't think this presidential race is over by any stretch of the imagination. Tommy Pickett from the RNC, I appreciate it. Thank you so much for coming on here this afternoon. Yeah, thanks for having me on. You know, the other thing, I, I got to get to a little bit of the Trump DeSantis stuff, too, because um, that's been weird in the background. And I don't know how many, you know, those of you who are political animals and junkies, you're probably dialed into this. But um, Trump's been going after DeSantis on several fronts that have been rather unique on lockdowns where 
he's not the guy that's responsible for that. Um, and certainly opened Florida back up. And I think it's fallen on deaf ears, even amongst members of um, the most ardent supporters of the the former president. So DeSantis has this thing yesterday where he's filing suit against um, – well, let, let me back it up a little bit. There's a there's a lawsuit that involves a defamation suit against Rudy Giuliani and Mike Lindell, the pillow guy, some of Trump's closest allies. And DeSantis has this event yesterday that includes a conservative lawyer who represents Dominion Voting Systems, right? Dominion Voting Systems, the, um, the defamation suit is actually based on things that Giuliani and Lindell said about the election being stolen. Dominion says, look, you lied about some of this stuff. And this lawyer that was sitting next to DeSantis, there's people that are interpreting this as a bit of a, you know, a slight to Trump because this young lawyer who was there is representing the uh, the old Dominion, the Dominion, old Dominion's a country act, Dominion in that voting machine. She also works for Project Veritas, so she's a conservative lawyer. So the infighting between Trump and DeSantis kind of goes back and forth. And then Trump's been making these allegations. And this is something... I don't even like talking about this because I think it's so weird. There's this strange undercurrent where people allege different things about whether it's pedophilia or things related to children. He's tossed some of those things out about DeSantis Trump has, which, again, I don't get it. I think it's very confusing. So DeSantis, when he's asked these questions, basically just answers this way. I spend my time delivering results for the people of Florida and fighting against Joe Biden. That's how I spend my time. I don't spend my time trying to smear other Republicans. I think that's a good tactic because if you saw, and I didn't even want to get into this yesterday because it's rather disgusting, but he's on the the true social, the social media Trump is insinuating that DeSantis is grooming teenage girls for some things that he's done in the past. It's bizarro. And why he thinks some of this stuff is going to resonate, I have no idea idea. All right. I got an interesting newsletter from my school district, the Rockwood School District, uh, a piece that was written by a parent that actually, and I'm not stunned by much, kind of stunned me. We'll get into that coming up next on 97.1 FM Talk. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, the despicable human being that, you know, knocked on the uh, the door of the Hispanic family, and uh, my apologies for not saying Latinx, ladies and gentlemen, has now been identified. Judy Klein, 54 years old, charged with one count of first-degree burglary, first-degree property damage, unlawful use of a weapon, just to kind of bring this home. And by the way, here's the other thing. She's not a neighbor. She doesn't live, like, right next door. She's apparently just someone from the area, yeah. which is also somewhat Crazy. confusing. I, the crazy sums it up here for sure. So she goes because she I, I, I guess the only thing that we can determine here is she sees a Hispanic family in this particular house. She doesn't like it. She goes up and she's finally caught on the ring camera. And if you don't get away with it, I'm American. It's my property. Okay, then give me your full name. Go for it. Show me some illegal paperwork because I know you didn't buy this house. You don't have enough money. God. And but that girl there, she's only 22 years old. 
the young girl that you hear on the ring camera that is uh, trying to deal with Ms. Klein. Grief. Judy Klein. So if you're a friend of Judy Klein, 54 years old, you should be very proud of uh, that association this afternoon. Okay, so somebody brought this to my attention, and I was quite intrigued by it because it's my school district. Um, they have something, and this is Black History Month. I don't know if you've heard barely out there at all, but there is a, a newsletter that's called the Repack Monthly Newsletter Relating to Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion for Rockwood Schools. All right. Now, I, lo- I had to look up some of these things because I'm not exactly sure what that is, but I think Repack is R-E-P-A-C is Ready, Execute, Process, Analyze, Coordinate. All right. So that's what it stands for. So they interview for this particular newsletter, February 23, interview with Rockwood parent, Dr. Letitia Smith. And there's an asterisk at that point. And then at the bottom, if you go to the asterisk, it says, let me read this here, because there's a disclaimer that says, we don't, you know, just because we print this doesn't mean we agree. The Rockwood School District appreciates and values the perspective of all stakeholders as we work together to do whatever it takes to ensure all students realize their potential. The views expressed here for your consideration and do not necessarily reflect those of the Rockwood School District, blah, blah, blah. But anyway, so I'm reading this because somebody brought it to my attention. I'm thinking, is this, you know, what's this all about? Who is she? Now, some important background information about Rockwood, because it would be dishonest of me not to include this. First of all, we had an incident from a couple of days ago, or I guess this may go back to last week. And Sue, I don't know how many people have heard about this, but typically when the type of story that I'm about to describe happens, 90% of the time, it's a black kid that did it, okay? I'm told that in this particular case, it wasn't a black kid, it was a white kid that put the um, the signs that ended up go- going on video, and I think it got on social media that said um, black toilet and white toilet. It was some sign. Exactly. Now, I don't know why the student did what was the motivation if they just wanted to be um, a racist idiot like the woman in the case from South City. I have no idea. Uh, but that's horrific. So Dr. Kane, who's the new superintendent, sends a long email out last weekend to those of us who are in Rockwood saying we got to do better. We have to do this, blah, blah, blah. The other thing that's been happening in Rockwood, and the Post-Dispatch has been kind of on top of this because they're outraged by the fact that there are things happening in Rockwood with new school board members, et cetera, that are bringing down the efforts and ruining the efforts for diversity, equity, and inclusion. Because one must recognize that in the Rockwood School District and in many others, there's no more important thing. Reading, writing, none of that stuff. That's way down the list, but diversity, equity, and inclusion is very important. So Letitia Smith, I'm told, is someone that works in SLPS in the St. Louis Public School system, Uh, but she's a Rockwood parent. I wonder why she doesn't send her kids to... Maybe there's an answer for that. I don't know. I don't know why she doesn't send her kids in the city. One would think that that would be something she'd do because she works in St. Louis Public Schools. So the newsletter is done in a Q&A fashion. And she's asked some questions, and there's a couple of basic questions that she gets into here. Tell us about your background and what drew you to live in the Rockwood School District. Um, I started in Rockwood when I entered fourth grade as a participant in the DSEG program. Um, That's known as VICC VIC, right? It's the inner city kids go to county school districts. So she's familiar with that program. Um, one of the questions is how can our community best elevate and honor Black History Month and how it impacts all the students? So she gives an answer to that. And then there's this one. Okay, this is the one that caught my attention. Given the recent events in our community, how can we best support our black students moving forward? And this is what Letitia Smith says. When I reflect on this question, two words come to mind. 
unapologetic accountability. Who wants to be the drum major for what is right these days? No one, because it comes with a burden that is sometimes too heavy to lift on your own and requires a backbone that is strong enough to bear all the hurt, harm, and criticism that can come with it. This world has made it scary to stand up for what is right. <laughs> I would, you know what? I would agree with that. Uh, let's use Riley Gaines, the um, you know, NCAA swimmer who had to compete against Leah Thomas as an example of that. My guess is that Letitia Smith is not referring to Riley Gaines and others. But she says, when I moved into the district, I absolutely thought about being on the Board of Education to stand up for what's right for our children. But then I thought about the realistic part of it and the harm that could come to my own family for wanting to do it. It was not an option that was worth the risk. This hurts me to my core because as a former Vic student myself and a current Vic parent, Oh, that kind of answers the question there. So the kids do go to the suburban schools, even though she lives in the city. Um, And now a minority, or works in the city, and now a minority living in the Rockwood community, I know that I have a wealth of experience paired with formal background. But this is what really caught my attention. All that's blah, blah, blah. You would expect that. I feel like there are some things that can be done to at least curtail some of these blatant activities that are happening against schools, school personnel, and students. Now, I don't know the specifics of what she's talking about. I mean, if you ask me to offer an example of some of the blatant activities that are happening against um, students and parents, I would offer you Dr. Tim Ricker, the former superintendent, that thank God he's out of Rockwood and was replaced by Dr. Kane, and I'm not convinced he's going to be any better, but we're going to give him a chance. But Dr. Ricker, of course, is the um, idiot that went on and passed along the FBI hotline number at the school board meeting because he thought that the parents should be investigated by the feds for raising questions about curriculum and masking and things along those lines. So Letitia Smith's answer for all of this is this. There should be a revisit of all board policies that deal with aspects of fairness, equity, discrimination, harassment, intimidation, and so forth. Schools should have a required specific addendum to the overall policy that is germane to their specific school community and clientele. Any person employed by the Rockwood School District, internal, external, contracted partner, will be required to go through annual anti-biased, anti-racist training on an ongoing basis, an ongoing basis. Anyone who refuses should not be allowed to work and or do business in the district. So if you're not on board with the indoctrination, the woke indoctrination that, you know, obviously is being exposed on a daily basis in government, in corporate America and in school districts, if you're not on board with all that BS, then we don't want you working in any way, shape or form in our district. Here's another one. There should be a partnership with the school community and the legal system that helps to employ fines for students, family and community members who violate certain aspects of the district's discrimination and harassment policies. These fines would in turn fund ongoing anti-racism bias and sensitivity training. So think about that one. She wants to fine you as a parent, or me as a parent, if I have a question about some of the woke indoctrination that's going on in the Rockwood schools. And by the way, I can offer examples even from my second grader and have in the past, then I would be fined by the Rockwood School District. Now, this would never happen because I would I would hope I say that, but I guess you never know. It's just utterly ridiculous. She also says the board should be restructured so that as long as there is a single solitary Vic student, DSEG student participating. There should be an appointed past or present Vic parent to the board. Schools should not get to have an opt out 
of having a repack liaison. This is the one that kind of confused me a little bit because remember I gave you the definition of repack, and I think if I'm getting it right, it's a ready, execute, process, analyze, coordinate. And someone might have to help me with exactly what that's all about from the perspective. She seems to really like that program, and she refers to someone as being um, a liaison And I don't know exactly what that role is, but it seems like some of the schools opt out of that. She doesn't like that very much. Here's another one. Now, Sue, I'll ask you this question. Tell me if you think this would be valuable. Every high school should have a service learning project that requires them to do some level of service in the inner city. It should be held in one or more of the communities of the VIC students that participate in their respective schools. Okay. Let's chew on that for a little bit. I mean, is that a terrible idea? Maybe it's not a terrible idea. But are we also going to have the Vic students go out to the suburbs and hang out with the white families that you hate or to the rural communities and see what they're all about? Because I'd like there to be a little bit equal play here. But we can't do that because racism only exists in one stratosphere, right? But every high school, the school should host at least one of their annual school activities at a location in the inner city. Uh, Sue, turn down your headphones real quick. Okay, you should, because if you do that, they might get shot first and foremost. So that's a safety issue in the city. The district should establish a safe and secure whistleblower entity where individuals can report colleagues and incidents that work against establishing an equitable environment in the district on all levels. Ladies and gentlemen, these people are nuts. They're absolutely crazy. She wants to find parents who disagree with her on woke indoctrination she wants a whistleblower that can be set up because if you see something you don't like by a parent or anyone else, maybe a janitor, something like that, if you think it even borders on racism, we're going to report it to the whistleblower. And then what would happen here is this is how she describes it. This particular entity would be governed by members who have been properly trained to reestablish the equality and the equity decorum in environments where it's been compromised. I would have full faith and confidence that those are people that would be perfectly suited to that particular role and there would be no bias or unfairness whatsoever. So uh, the bottom line is Dr. Kane has got a lot of work on his hands, not only with white supremacists like me, but black radicals like her. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact. So jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.